You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Okay, thanks, Connor. That was a beautiful time of lifting up our voices to the Lord in worship, that He's worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. And this morning I hope to show you some of that in Jesus' very own words. The last several weeks, as you'd recall, we've been looking at some of the major threats to Christianity and to the faith of individual Christians in particular. I identified five threats, um, the false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing, moral therapeutic deism, the prosperity gospel and progressive Christianity, also known as liberalism. So I won't go back over them or we'll be here all day, but suffice to say every one of those are deceivers. They're charlatans, they're frauds. They're all enemies, deadly enemies of your soul. Mike last week added to that when he took us to Psalm 1 and he asked and answered the question, what is true prosperity? Now, John chapter 7, and the verse, especially verse 12, for me was the catalyst for those couple of messages. John 7 starts, as you'd recall, with Jesus' brothers challenging him to go up to Jerusalem for the Feast of Booths and to demonstrate his miraculous power there. Jesus, of course, doesn't go immediately, but he holds back until the feast is about halfway over, and then when he finally goes up, he goes up secretly. And he arrives in the middle of the week-long celebration. So if you've got your Bibles with you, would you open them to John chapter 7 and uh, we'll pick it up in verse 10 where it says, But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, No, he's leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Now, I told you in those previous messages what Jesus is not. He's certainly not one of those charlatans that have been deceiving the people of God since that serpent showed up in the Garden of Eden. That's how long deception's been going on. But some were saying there, Jesus is a good man. Now, we know that that's true. Jesus is a good man. Plenty of people accused him of doing wrong at the time, but no one ever found a charge that would stick because he never did wrong. And even when they finally arrested him and tried him in a kangaroo court to put him to death, which is about six months after the events we're looking at here, they can't find any witnesses to bring a genuine charge against him. The false witnesses can't even get their stories straight and they end up contradicting each other. Pilate, too, the man who ultimately orders Jesus' execution, could find no fault in him. But Pilate, being the coward that he was, handed him over for crucifixion anyway because he was more frightened of the crowd who were baying for Jesus' blood than he was of this good man that stood in front of him. So Jesus is a good man. Even today, unbelievers, assuming they acknowledge that he ever existed, will admit that he was a good man. 
They even imagined that if they patterned their lives after his, doing their best to be good like he was, that they too can call themselves good. There's a few problems, as we know, with their thinking. The first is that the Bible is clear that no one is good except God alone. Now, that's from the lips of Jesus himself. No one is good but God alone. The Apostle Paul affirms that, quoting from Psalm 14. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. There don't seem to be too many exclusions to that. Anyone who thinks he's a truly good person is living in a fantasy land, blind to his own failings and his own sin. There's another significant problem, though, with the, the world's perspective of Jesus that he's a good man. And that's Jesus' own claims about himself. And his claims about himself were what caused him all his problems in the first place. His claims were outlandish. They were bold. They were arrogant. Unless, of course, Jesus was exactly what he claimed to be. If he's not what he claimed to be, then Jesus is far from a good man. C.S. Lewis puts it well in his book, Mere Christianity, you are no doubt familiar with this quote, but I'll read it to you anyway. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make a choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Is Jesus a good man? Only if his claims to divinity are true. Only if the claims that got him killed are true. If, he's, if not, if they're not true, then he's not a good man. He's a deceiver. He's worse than all of the false prophets and all of the wolves in sheep's clothing and the moral therapeutic deists and the prosperity gospel preachers and the progressive Christians, he's worse than all of those combined. So let's see for ourselves what Jesus claimed for himself and claimed about himself. And you decide, is this man a lunatic? Is he a liar? Or is he Lord? We're only a third of the way through John's gospel so far, but already we've seen Jesus make some pretty bold claims, claims that has got him in trouble with the authorities, claims that have already had them plotting to kill him. He makes plenty more in the chapters to come in John's gospel. There's, there's more again in the other gospels. Now I've compiled, well, 
I say I've compiled a list for you. There's a printout there of a uh, number of uh, the claims that Jesus made about himself. I'm indebted to John MacArthur, who did the hard work of compiling this list. And we can see in Jesus' own words what he said about himself. You can decide for yourself. Is he a lunatic? Is he a liar? Or is he Lord? Firstly, Jesus claims to have come down from heaven. In John 3.13, he says, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus is saying that he was sent by God the Father. John 5.37, he says, And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. In John 6.29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And Jesus also said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Jesus makes this claim that he was sent by God nearly three dozen times in John's Gospel. And he makes it several times in the other Gospels as well. What do you think? Is he a lunatic? Is he a liar? Or is he Lord? Jesus claims to be the saviour of the world. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now this good man also claims that he will determine everybody's eternal destiny. In Matthew 16, 27, Jesus said, The Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. And the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to his Son. Jesus claims to be the source of eternal life. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again, he says. The water that I will give him will be become, become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And he told the Jews, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus says he's the only way to God. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These are bold claims. What do you think? Lunatic, liar, or Lord? But that's not where Jesus stops with his claims. He claims the right to be honoured on an equal basis with the Father. John 5.23, Jesus said that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. And he, claimed, he 
claims the right to be honoured because he is one with the Father. I and the Father are one, Jesus said. Have I been with you so long, he says to Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus claims the power to raise the dead. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus even claimed that he would rise from the dead himself. As they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. And Jesus said to the Jews in the temple, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. This good man claims to be the one to whom all of the Old Testament scriptures pointed. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he told the men on the road to Emmaus, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus claimed to be without sin. Which one of you convicts me of sin, he asked. If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He says he has all authority on heaven and on earth. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Which also means he has the authority to forgive sins. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. He has authority over the Sabbath. This one really got the Jews riled. The Sabbath was sacred to them. But Jesus said the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is able to authorise prayer in his name. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And he has the authority to answer those prayers. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And he can do that because he's greater than the temple. Matthew 12, 6, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. He's greater than Jonah. Matthew 12, 41, the men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. He's greater even than Solomon, the wisest and wealthiest man. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment, her too. The men of Nineveh, the queen of the south, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, 
something greater is here. He's greater than Jacob. The woman at the well said to him, Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. It is even greater than Abraham, the father of their faith, the father of our faith, because he existed before Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad, Jesus said. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This man claims to be the bread of life, the only source of spiritual sustenance. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's the light of the world. Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's the resurrection and the life. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. He's the long-awaited Messiah. The woman said to him at the well, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He's the son of God. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? The Son of God will be seated at the right hand of God in glory. From now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. He claims that he'll be the supreme judge who will one day return in glory. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and with great glory. He claimed over and over again to be the Son of Man. In fact, Son of Man was Jesus' favourite term for himself. It's the third most common term for Jesus in the Bible, but by far the most common one he called himself. And it's not a term just used casually, as we might imagine you saying he's just another human being. It's a term that's rich in theological significance and meaning for the Jews. Jesus said the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. He will repay each one of you 
according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And I will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. And they said, if you're the Messiah, tell us. But he told them, if I tell you, you won't believe me. If I ask you a question, you won't answer me. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. Then they all asked him, are you then the Son of God? He answered them, you said it, I am. This claim to be the Son of Man would have been particularly galling to the Jews. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying when he called himself the Son of Man. They would have immediately thought of the visions in Daniel's prophecy found in Daniel chapter 7, where Daniel writes, As I looked, thrones were placed. Note that's plural, thrones were placed. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. I saw in the night visions, Daniel writes, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, to this Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus was claiming to be the same son of man that Daniel saw in his vision. The same son of man who would be given dominion and glory and a kingdom. The same son of man that all peoples, nations and languages would serve. Do you understand why the Jews were furious with Jesus for making these claims? Why they wanted to kill him? He made bold, audacious claims. Almost every time he opened his mouth, he made claims about himself that infuriated the Jews. They could not tolerate it. He had to be stopped. That's why they plotted to kill him. Before I leave his claim to be the Son of Man, I want you to look for a moment at Revelation chapter 1. You've got your Bibles there. See if you can recognise who it was that John the Apostle saw in his vision. Revelation 1 verse 12. John writes, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. Revelation 1 verse 13, and in the midst of the land stands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. That's what Daniel saw. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, 
I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. That's who Jesus was claiming to be when he said he was the son of man. If these claims of Jesus direct from his own mouth, every one of them, if they're not true, then in fact, Jesus is not a good man at all. As C.S. Lewis says, he is either a lunatic or he's a liar. But if they are true, if they are true, there's only one possible response. He's Lord. It's no wonder the Jews stumbled over Jesus' claims. By the time of Christ, they were fiercely monotheistic. They descended into idolatry and polytheism so many times in the past and caused them unending suffering and captivity and slavery, but not anymore. They weren't going to let that happen again. For the Jews, the controlling verse of Scripture was what is sometimes known as the Shema Yisrael. Deuteronomy 6.4 starts off in the Hebrew, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They knew well what Jesus was claiming for himself. He was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be this Lord who is one. But how can that be? Jesus is just a man, isn't he? We know where he comes from, they said. We know who his parents are. He can't be God. We'll see the Jews make that same claim later on in John chapter 7. And if he's only a man, he's certainly not a good man. Not when he says things about himself like that. He must be a deceiver or a liar. Maybe is what his family thought he was at one stage, a lunatic. Let me remind you again of what C.S. Lewis said. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. How could he be? We've heard 30, I think it was, different descriptions, claims Jesus made for himself that all speak of someone who is more than just a man. He wouldn't be a great moral teacher if he's making claims like that and they're not true. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him, kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and you can call him Lord and God. You can worship him. But don't come with any patronising nonsense about him being a good man and a great human teacher. When you hear people say Jesus was a good man, you can say, yes, he was, but probably not in the way you think he was. Because if you read what he says, he's not a good man unless it's true. And if it's true, 
He's Lord, not just a good man. He hasn't left that option open to us and he didn't intend to, Lewis writes. What do you say? Is Jesus lunatic? Is he a liar? Or is he Lord? Think carefully before you answer. If he is everything he claims to be, he holds your eternal destiny in his hands. He can either welcome you into his presence in glory or he can banish you to a hell of eternal isolation and suffering and torment. If his claims are true, he has the authority to do that. Which will you choose? Lunatic, liar, or Lord? I encourage you to make the only right decision. He is Lord. For he came not just to bring condemnation, but to bring life. To bring life to all who would put their trust in him, who would believe the claims he made. And he offers that life for free. Come buy wine and milk without cost, he says. He offers it for free because he has paid the price. He's paid the price in his own blood for your rescue. He's either lunatic, liar or Lord. There are no other options. But he is a good man because he is God. He is everything he claims to be. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.